beautiful people. We are back with another episode of the Fertility Connection. Um, we are here to talk about some modern day technology that we have at our fingertips now in the fertility community. But before we start, I'm going to send it around to um, our special ladies who are here with us today. We have a little bit of a different lineup. Um, it's really hard to get all of us together in the same spot at the same time. Um, so um, you will see maybe a new face every now and again. But uh, Devin, why don't you go first? Yes. Hi, everyone. I am Devin Baeza, the fertility finance coach. I help women make, save, and manifest money to fund their fertility fast. Thank you for coming back. Sarah? I'm Sarah Clark, a host of Get Pregnant Naturally, and I help couples using uh, Get Pregnant Naturally using a functional approach. Ah, thank you, Sarah. And we have a new face, Adrian. Hi, I'm Adrian Wee, integrative fertility expert and educator with a background in Chinese medicine. So I'm also the host of the podcast, How to Get Healthy and Get Pregnant, and I help women get pregnant using Chinese medicine. Oh, thank you so much for joining in with us. You are going to be kind of our um, stand-in slot, but maybe, well, I think we're going to see you quite a lot. Um, Robin and Emma are away. So yeah, today we want to talk about um, all the home testing that you can now get at home. I know for most of us uh, during our journey, you literally had two options, a pregnancy test and an ovulation stick. And those you all had to pee on and decipher for yourself. <laughs> but now you can literally do home IUIs, home IVFs, food sensitivity tests. I walked into Target the other day and there is a whole aisle of like food sensitivity tests, hormone tests. And so there's a lot that you can get um, at home to help kind of understand what's going on with your fertility. Um, I guess the question is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Who would like to chime in first? You know, you know it's going to be me. <laughs> I always have something to say. And I think it's really interesting. This definitely wasn't around during my years of fertility. Like you said, we had pregnancy tests and ovulation tests, and I peed on every stick available, you know, constantly. So if this was around, I am sure I would have also done these at-home tests and on one hand, I think that the information and having information is so empowering. I think not having to go to your doctor for every little thing or being able to interpret results yourself or even check the diagnosis they gave you, can, that could be a good thing. And certainly from the finance aspect of it, if you don't have insurance coverage, this might be a cheaper option. Um, it might make sense to do these things first. But then of course, I think the flip side would be that you aren't a doctor, right? Or you don't have the education to interpret these results or that you are relying on these tests that, you know, maybe they aren't standardized and you can't really rely on the results. Um, so I think also you might end up with too much information and get overwhelmed. Um, and that information becomes unhelpful when you get to the point of overwhelm and just sort of shutting down. Yeah. I, I guess I, I, how I feel about, you know, for example, modern fertility is that, yes, you are, like you said, like, if you can't, if you don't have insurance, this might be a cheaper option. Um, but then there's also, what are you going to do with these results? You're still relying on the doctor to interpret the results for you. You still have decisions that you have to make. So I feel like if, I guess it depends on what you hope to gain out of the test too, because if you go in there thinking it's information gathering, it's going to help you make some decisions, then I think it's a good idea. But if you're going in there just like, I just want to see what my hormones are. And then like Devin said, it might be information overload because now that you know what your AMH is, <laughs> what are you going to do with that information? It still doesn't change the fact that you may still have, you know, fertility challenges that you had to overcome. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. It's the, the interpretation. So you can, again, that like information overload and is it the right information? Okay, you get the AMH test back, but that doesn't mean just because yours is low that you'll never get pregnant. So it's, it's um, getting caught up on these tests and you're still spending, there's still a cost of these tests and potentially are you wasting your money not doing the right test and then not really having the right person practitioner to interpret them? Yeah, I think that's the main thing right there is uh, given that information, especially a low AMH, you know, a lot of people look at that. I know I had it after my, um, during my first IVF and then I got really crappy embryos and they're like, well, that's your issue. I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, they didn't even want to change up my drugs. They wouldn't even change up my drugs. And at that point, I knew nothing about nutrition or about how you can take control of your fertility health. And luckily, we're like, well, nothing's not a good enough answer. We'll go find someone who, at the time, we were like, give us different drugs at least or try a different protocol. But then we took our matters into our own hands and we started doing diet and lifestyle changes on our own accord. But yeah, that's the thing is that you get these results and you just kind of led maybe down a really narrow path of, you know, fixing it or doing the Band-Aid approach, which... I know a lot of people might just want right now because you get pregnant quite quickly with the Band-Aid approach, but um, that can lead to a whole nother Pandora's box of issues. So mine was the oh, same. I, mean, I don't know. Oh, sorry. Mine was the same um, with the low AMH at 0.68 at 27 years old. They were like, this is, for, this is somebody like in their mid 40s. And that was what made us uh, do IVF because they said, hey, never mind everything we've been doing for the past three years. Like I did countless, you know, IUIs and surgeries and all of these other things. They're like, you have to do IVF. And they, when they started out thinking I would have 20 eggs and multiple embryos and lots of different tries. And then it ended up that I only had one embryo that didn't look good. Just like you were saying that they said it won't even survive a freeze. We have to do a fresh transfer. And I thought, wow wasted my entire life savings on this, you know, and luckily it worked. But then what, three, four years later, I got pregnant on my own naturally in my thirties, like out of nowhere. And I would have, because of that low AMH test and thinking, well, it's only going to get worse from here and not having enough information about it or what to do about it or any of the possibilities. Like to me, that kind of, that sort of sealed my fate in my mind. And I think that that's the other danger is that you take people who are already in a really scary and desperate time in their lives and you can give them this information that feels like a blow or it feels like now they can't overcome it or there's, they get that information from doctors. There's nothing we can do. Um, and that's a really dangerous thing to be doing at home by yourself. Yeah, definitely. Adrian, you had something on that? Well, I was just going to say, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I'm pissed off as hell. I feel like our audience, um, women trying to conceive, they're being exploited. I feel yeah. like they're being bombarded with so much quick fix solutions that are just crappy. And, you know, I feel like every single one of them is almost like a little jaded because now, you know, we are the fertility experts offering real solutions and they're looking at us like, um, really like you know are you just trying to you know are you really do you really have my best interest at heart so I think all these like at home tests all these like I, I'm getting a lot of ads about uh, the the one fertility supplement that you need to take or something like that and I went and checked out this company and you know it, it seems legit but it's these kinds of things like all these ads headlines are get pregnant quick quickly, you know, get pregnant fast, the one supplement. So anyway, I, I just feel like for me, I'm looking at these tests kind of like, ugh, you know, <laughs> you're just, you're just trying to make a quick dollar. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, uh, go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the quick fix thing, this is not a, if there's been issues going on in your body for years and years, it doesn't, it's not just this magic pill. People probably like you come to me and say, oh, is there something I can take? What's the supplement? What's, what's the food that's going to make the difference? And it's not like 
typically one thing. Sometimes it can be if you have a huge intolerance to gluten, but but um, other times it's it's looking at the whole body. Well, it's always looking at the whole body and seeing well what exactly is going on here. And I think some of these tests, yeah, it can be misleading. People get you know a lot of stress associated with the OPKs each month and tracking that when maybe looking at the fertility awareness method, looking at your cervical mucus, your basal body temperature, your cervix, like going back to basics, people don't even know where the hell, like, you know, where their cervix is, like, you know, cervical mucus, what the hell is that? Um, and so like digging into that piece, which I think is, is missed. And we're just doing the, 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 the OPKs. And I think, um, you know, there's all these other tasks like Everly Well coming out, um, that's being advertised to me all the time for hormone, um, testing and that's only, that's, that's, that's blood spots. So I think, again, it's like missing, missing crucial information and you can get, you can still, I think the Everly Well one is like 160 bucks. So it's still a cost and what information, like you, you're getting information there, but really, do you know how to interpret it? Is it going to scare the crap out of you? And, um, like how beneficial is it? Yeah, definitely. I want to say like, um, I did a little bit of research on some of these companies and they come, I think some of them do come from a really good place and they come from their truth, right? They, I feel like we all have our own journeys and then whatever made our journey um, successful at the end, whichever way you want to look at success, you want to give that to other people, right? So you create this product or you become a health coach or you become a finance coach or you become an acupuncturist. I do think there are people, you know, some companies out there that are truly have people's you know, real good attention or want them to get pregnant kind of thing. Um, but I do feel there's that, like you say, Sarah, that missing piece of support. You know, I think there's only one company out there or maybe two that give you continual support, not just one phone call with a doctor or, you know, it's, it's a long-term thing when you, especially if you get a negative result, you know, like a low AMH, it's like, okay, what am I going to do with this? And, you know, one of them, um, they advertise, um, I think it is that modern one and it's like, freeze your eggs and do this. And I'm just like, holy shit, you know, you're going to have this, like, all the millenniums, I guess, of like, oh shit, I'm going to take this test. Oh crap, I have low MH because I'm smoking and drinking and I've just graduated college and, you know, I'm unhealthy at the moment. And so your test results are going to show that you're unhealthy, but that doesn't mean you're, you are forever going to be unhealthy or you can't change your situation. And all of a sudden the you know, egg bank is going to be like fruitful and all these eggs are going to be harvested at a time when you actually are really unhealthy and you probably shouldn't be harvesting your eggs. Yeah, they've That's got those trucks. Point. Yeah, they've got those trucks going around New York City educating women and talking about, yeah, getting your, your eggs frozen right now. And I'm like, no, like that's like putting like a whole panic into people then yeah. and then oh being told that everything is really bad right now and yeah I guess you can there's there's things you can do but also there's like scare toxic tactics to that and why is I don't know like this is like a whole other discussion where where we've got companies adding IVF to their you know to their um their benefit plan and yeah like that that can be good but why why is that why is that where we go why is it like you know, lobbying with government to get IVF, like, where's the lobbying to say, let's eat, stop eating processed foods and, and throwing our, our, our body full of garbage. And we're like advocating drugs being pumped into our body. I, I don't know. That's a whole other, other, other podcast, but. Um, wow. It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, the headquarter of Bank of America. And Bank of America is the company that pays for unlimited IVF. So in my clinic, um, I would say a lot of people come through our acupuncture clinic and they are doing IVF and they work for Bank of America. Women are actively trying to get a job at Bank of America to get IVF um, benefits. We have three or four thriving IVF clinics here in the small city of Charlotte. Um, so because I see, I mean, we treat over 100 women in our clinic every single week. So I feel like 
I totally get where you're coming from, Sarah, and I agree, but part of me also feels like I am thankful that companies are providing um, benefits because there will be some of my patients who, without this benefit, it, I'm just, from my side, is that I'm happy that they're able to become parents because of the benefit that was given to them. Um, yeah. And they completely understand, you know, also that diet, lifestyle, everything plays in the factor as well. But um, so I guess like for me, I'm kind of neutral on that because I've seen both. <laughs> I, don't, um, I have to say like, I am not neutral. <laughs> I am completely pro IVF coverage. I think it's amazing that these companies are offering that. I think that everybody's individual journey is so specific and unique and um, I would love to see coverage to go see you know a, a doctor about functional medicine and go see a naturopath and have like supplements covered like you have medications covered and you know like that would be amazing but I also think having the IVF coverage because for some people that's what it comes down to and for some people it might not be but that's their choice you know, they and if you choose to pull out the big guns and drop you know however much it's gonna cost and go through that you're willing to to have a baby now, I think you should have a right to that. Um, I think that when other parts of our body aren't working, we treat them and it is covered by insurance. And I mean, I can I have a cold, that's not a big deal. I can still go to my doctor and get treated and get it covered. And so if my, you know, my reproductive organs for whatever reason aren't working, um, and I don't wanna sit around and take the time to treat underlying PCOS and endo and food issues and I just want a baby now by any means necessary I'm willing to do it I just feel like I should have that option and I I love that we have more options now even if that's at home tests or companies willing to you know cover it like I would love to see everything shifting in that direction to people having coverage because they're paying into insurance anyways in the way they want to treat their body I literally well, just said, and, you know, I literally I literally just did an email on this to my list the other day talking about is IVF being, you know, targeted as the miracle cure and is it being overused when it was developed for people that have tubal, you know, uh, tubal disease. So why is it now like unexplained every last diagnosis with infertility, IVF is being the only solution. So that's my thing for us to, to look at this differently. And are we overusing it? Do we really know the impact on the mother's body the uh, children that have been through IVF, do we really know the impact? And I have both my kids with donor eggs. And, and you know, so I am, you know, obviously I benefit from the science. This obviously worked for me. I was able to have my children, but um, I don't know. I just think the conversation to look at this a little differently. And again, it's a personal decision. If you want to go through IVF, it's not like that's what is right for you. And some people are like, that's what I want to do. But I see people coming with like multiple failed IVFs, especially if they have that insurance and they keep going and they keep going and like the emotional heartache of that and all the stuff that's been done to their bodies. Do we really know, do we really know what's happening? I don't know. So I just think there's, there's like big pharma, there's a whole other thing going on with this. And I believe in, you know, championing women's rights and what's right for women, but it is a personal choice. But I think for us to just look to see who's driving this whole frigging thing. And, but again, I think we're, we're, off, we're off track on the, on the, no, it's, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, this is what a talk show is all about. We get to just rant and stand on our soapbox and try to push each other off. Um, no, I mean, going back to probably linking both of them. Um, I think you can only speak your own truth, right? I would have hands down tried every fucking test out there going. I would have spent all the money on every single one and they would have all failed me. They would have all given me a probably a low score in most whatever scoring they're doing and I still would have been left without an answer you know for so for me it didn't matter if it was fucking free or I was paying for it I would have still had this constant heartache of okay I'll try this okay I try this because that's what I did in my journey with everything that was out there 
in I want to say in the dark ages when you <laughs> just were using like two tests and you know um, sperm like seed whatever that pre-seed stuff and standing on your head and um, you know I've done acupuncture I've done reflexology I've done iridology I have done everything under the fucking sun and at the end of the day including two failed IVFs it didn't work for me. And I feel like that's the issue is that when we get bombarded with all these things that can fix your fertility, it's like, yeah, for I guess a large majority right now, it is fixable with these um, modern technologies. But the sicker we get, and that's the issue, the sicker our population get, the sicker we are. And I was just one of the sick ones, right, who I had to change things up. Um, I guess I didn't have to, have to. No, I had to because my first IVF, I didn't get anything. Like I had no embryo. So I had to change my diet to get even a healthy embryo. So I got a healthy embryo. I got five and one of them turned into a baby. And that one I used immune suppressing drugs. And it's just like, like you say, Sarah, what's the fucking impact? Like, at least I had the knowledge at the time to really take care of myself and um, just be really hardcore on my diet, trying to like negate the effects of the drugs. You know, I was on steroids. I was on steroids the first three months of my child's life. Like, I look at that now and I'm like, fuck, okay, like, that's crazy how desperate we are to have these babies and have these answers that we're willing to go on all these hardcore drugs to have babies and we're unhealthy ourselves. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's my like opinion on them. Like, yeah, it's great that we have all this modern technology, but my thought about it that it's working for some people now, but if you're forcing the issue and if you're not using those natural things alongside, you know, you have a high chance of just repeating this after generation after generation and people are just going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. And then all of a sudden, these modern technologies, these at-home things aren't going to mean anything because they're not going to help you. They're not, you have to go to a doctor and get prescriptions for really hardcore drugs and do IVF. And it's just like you say, for me, like it's a bigger picture, you know, like, yes, you can go and have a baby several different ways now. I mean, you can get at home IUI kits, like it's just fucking insane. Like, and I was reading, I was reading these, I think there's a few of them and how they, um, and I was thinking, did I do this? Did I forget about like basting myself? Because I'm pretty sure it was a thing back in our our generation of trying like to a turkey baster, right? Like not, a, like not a sterile environment yes. where like it's going into your cervix. I have not looked into these. Are they literally suggesting that you have somebody like insert this into your cervix at home? No, you do it yourself. They have yes. designed a specific kit. syringe. That is like a tampon. It's, yeah, they did all this research. It's under a patent pending. And you do these self IUIs at home because the husband's sperm isn't making it. And it's just like, fuck, really? That, like, that's where we're at is that we are, and that's where it's going. And that's 100% where it's going. But see, I have a different perspective again because I work with. Um, a lot of same-sex couples that have come through my clinic. And for them, the store kit and also IVF or IUIs are the only options that they have. Because for them to be a mom, there's no other way. They have to use um, these kits. So again, <laughs> I see both sides and I'm being, you know, neutral about it just because I understand where, you know, there's the changing your diet and doing all this other stuff too but also I also know that I've seen um numerous numerous same-sex couples that they would never be able to be have a family without these modern technology oh definitely but th that's got to be a different conversation right like I'm all for you know anyone having a baby and um whichever way you choose to um it is great that that can happen nowadays um, but I think it comes back to um, when you have 
fertility issues. And actually, there is a lot of same-sex couples that do have fertility issues. You know, it's not just like, oh, let's find someone to help us have a baby, and then we have a baby. Like, I definitely see a lot of people on Instagram that are same-sex couples that go through multiple IVFs, you know, or try IUIs. It's going back to, like, let's fix the root cause of this and then use all these modern technologies that we have at our disposal when that doesn't happen. And it was interesting. I think um, Robin said it last time and Devin, you said it this time. It's that um, you want to have a baby now, right? Like you feel like your, your clock's ticking, you know, she, you know, like you feel like your, your time's going and you just use these things to have a baby now, which I don't know, like Sarah, like in your work, I mean, when you start addressing the root cause, it doesn't take years and years and years, right? No, you can see results and, you know, people getting pregnant naturally in like four months when they've been told donor egg is, is for them. And then when you look at diet and if there's gut infections, which we always see, so there's, a test that, so there's a test that we run, our food sensitivities, we uh, test, we like the leaf MRT or, or, an, or an IgG test. Um, and those ones are, those are our practitioner tests. So you can get, as you say, the ones from Walmart, but are they really giving you the right data? And also there's no perfect food sensitivity test. The hormone one that we like is the Dutch test. It gives you the, the, the best information right, uh, as of right now for, for hormones using urine. Again, it's, it's, it's a practitioner test, helps you develop a protocol. Some of the other tests just, just don't help us develop, develop a targeted protocol. And then we, use the, uh, then we use the GI map test, which looks at the DNA of your stool. And a lot of times, this is the last place people are looking for when they're doing, dealing with infertility, gut infections. And, so, and then that, again, helps us develop this targeted protocol. So you can get, you can, and people will come to us and they've spent money even on functional tests that are, are like outdated tests. And we don't have any affiliation with any, any of the labs. It's, we, we use the best test on the market as of you know, the, current, current, the, the, the current best test. So it is, um, I, I, I think in the fertility industry, there's a lot of self-prescribing, like self-prescribing supplements, reading you know, those fertility superfoods, all these things to do. But you know, those things may be right for someone, but is it right for you? And are you spending a lot of money going down on the wrong tests, the wrong supplements, the wrong superfoods. You know, maybe you've got a huge intolerance to eggs and you're like having eggs all the time because the choline in the egg is supposed to be great for you, but maybe it's, it's wrong, it's wrong for your body. So I think the self, self-prescribing thing is, can, you know, can be dangerous and some of these tests can potentially lead to that self-prescribing and not having someone help you interpret it. And yeah, would I have done this? You know, back then when I was going through it, I didn't even get a second opinion. I talked about this before. I got, you know, diagnosed with, with premature ovarian failure, had both my kids with donor eggs, didn't even get a second opinion, had no clue about anything, trusted the doctors completely. Now, luckily enough, I had my kids, but then my health took that major freaking nosedive. And um, yeah, I had to do the damn work afterwards. Well, I so. think that's a good point. I want to talk a little bit more about how and I think all of you have sort of mentioned that you it, these co- these tests still cost money and the thing is when you think you're starting out from a lower cost standpoint and that you'll be saving yourself money um, it is it's impossible to know where you're going to be at a couple months from now but if you are doing every test out there if you then find out information that scares you enough to have to still go to the doctor and do further testing or you know um, you're you were you just stacking up these little costs that end up being a greater cost. And there's a, there's a danger in that too. And the real danger is anytime we're making fertility finance decisions from a place of fear. So just like you were saying, Monica, like when you are in this panicked state of, I don't have enough time, this has to happen right now, which I completely understand. Um, you don't, you're not making great decisions. Like you want to take a step back uh, and really look at a bigger picture plan here uh, and not not be making decisions from a place of what you are scared is going to happen, what you don't want. You want to make sure you're making those financial decisions from a place of like hope and intuition and what you want for your future and your family and uh, from a calm place, not in the moment. And so I think being really aware of the energy in your body and how you're feeling if you do try these at-home tests, does it feel good? 
when you're done with it, are you like, hey, I have some information. This is interesting. I'm going, like Adrian said earlier, I'm going to take my intention was to gather some more information. This is more personalized than what I found on a free Facebook group, you know, that told me to take Mucinex for everything. <laughs> like, you know, this is more personalized than that. So if it feels good and empowering, you know, then, then that could be a good thing. But if you feel confused, stressed, overwhelmed, what does this mean? I'm getting conflicting information. Um, that would maybe be pump the brakes. Don't go buy every test out there and keep, you know, spiral downwards with this. Like that might be a time you need to call up Sarah Clark, you know, and have a professional. It might be when you, you know, go and get your, um, your specific protocol via Chinese medicine with Adrian or decide, you know, I need to work on my mindset uh, stuff. This is really messing me up. And every step, I need to look at what Monica offers. Like, there are other options here besides you by yourself at home doing every test known to man. And then Googling to see what it means. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Dr. Google. <laughs> Dr. Google. Yeah, exactly. and I think, too, it's like that the gut sensitivity test, their food sensitivity test, I've also seen it on Facebook and I'm being bombarded with it as well. Maybe I'm like in the target market, I don't know. But um, it's like Sarah said too, like if you find out that you are allergic to eggs or sensitive to eggs, then what do you do, right? Because there's choline in eggs. So then now that you can't eat eggs, what do you eat in place of it? Do you take extra supplements? Those are all the things that you need to go to a professional to get answers for. So, you know, I think these tests, I don't know, I just feel like these tests are what's trendy right now and people are really into chasing trends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's an easy option, right? Like, like you literally don't have to beg your doctor for these tests. You can walk into yeah. Target and get them. And yeah, I would have definitely been that person. Um, and then just trying to navigate your way. And then with food sensitivity tests, um, you know, they have these degrees of like, you're not allergic, you're moderately allergic, and then not allergic, but like you have a sensitivity. And a lot of people I see come through and they're like, oh, I'm still eating the foods that I'm moderately allergic to. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, stop it. Like, it doesn't matter if you're moderately or majorly allergic to it. It all adds up. You know, it's not just one thing. You can't just look at, you know, one thing when you are trying to take a holistic point um, view, because I think, you, I think a lot of listeners on here are, they are really trying. And I think that's the issue is that they're like, okay, I'll just go do this. I'll just go do that. And then they come to me or Sarah and we're like, why are you still eating that? You have 10 things on this list that you're allergic to or not allergic, sorry, sensitive to and you're still eating them. This is an issue. And I think um, those tests just don't um, do justice. They're very like super snapshot. Um, you know, with the IgG, there's some issues that you might um, have a like um, a reaction to it. It's only because you've eaten so much of that right before you took the test. So you might actually not be sensitive to that food. You just had an overload of it in your body during that test. So it's really looking at like this huge bigger picture of like, okay, well, let's see where we're going and then address from there, not just get a test. I have this, holy shit. I like, you know, Sarah, I'll just go to donor egg. You know, I feel like that's where everyone's just getting pushed of like, come on, let's take a load of steps back. You know, not just one, a load. Let's piece all these tests together. And then let's look at you. What's going on with you? Let's go, what, what went on with you when you first even trying to start conceiving? You know, and you see people going, oh, well, I was in a moldy house or I was uh, around all these fumes. I had, a, you know, my mom died, you know, like you have all these incidents that happened a few years ago and you're like, holy shit. Okay, well, there you go. There's the starting point. Let's get back there and work our way forward. And then let's, you know, bring in all the things that we can help improve. Yeah, I think people do piecemeal, especially with the food. Oh, I went gluten-free and dairy-free for a couple of weeks. It didn't work. It didn't work. Well, like, did you really, like, you've got to really dig in. Me. <laughs> yeah, I see this all the time with people. Or they go gluten light or dairy light. Like, food matters. Not to say that everyone's intolerant to gluten or dairy, but if you're trying to conceive, my recommendation is to do the elimination diet, take out the top allergens, reintroduce them. It's the gold standard for, for you know, for, for to determine a food sensitivity. And then 
keep out dairy and gluten for 90 days after that. And if you're not pregnant, dig into gut testing and look further. If you're, I've had the test, food sensitivity test, where I, became, I was intolerant to all my favorite foods. So it was a, you know, an indicator of a leaky gut, which you know I had, I was on birth control for over 10 years. I had chronic stress due to life. I took you know, so many antibiotics, it's not even fucking crazy. I took them for, I took them for bladder infections. I took them for sinus infections. I took them for yeast, inf like so many antibiotics completely destroyed my whole entire microbiome or, or my gut. And um, like, these are things that it's, I tell that story about myself because there's so many people like me. It's not just me that's doing this. So um, yeah, the food sensitivity tests are, 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 are key, but just make sure me do the do the elimination diet and, and save yourself some money yeah Devin we talked about um this on the podcast on um the well yeah this podcast because this is going on the infertile diagnosis um you know that your natural pregnancy you feel like it kind of came out of nowhere but I think I highlighted that you made major changes um to your mindset in between, you know, your IV, well, even before your IVF, right? Like you started shifting the way you kind of saw a lot of things in life. Can you talk a little bit about that shift for you? Yeah, I think that uh, when I first started the fertility treatments and that journey, I just didn't, I just didn't know what was coming. I didn't expect what was about to happen or how long it would take. And um, things really shifted af after my miscarriage. Um, the how determined I was and how obsessed I was and the grief I was experiencing and the, um, the chronic stress. I mean, obviously during this time, your, your stress level is a 10 physically, emotionally, spiritually, in your relationships at work, like on every single, in every single area of your life, it, it affects you. And so I did the IVF, but I had seen for the first time a doctor right beforehand and he was the first doctor who had, you know, I didn't even know what a Brazil nut was. <laughs> I literally never heard of it. And he's telling me, um, then he's talking about why my body wasn't, uh, wasn't using the progesterone it was making and about, um, you know, your immune response and the, the chronic stress and all of these things. So I, I started to shift a little bit there. And then after the IVF, which had, I mean, by, by most standards, pretty pretty terrible, you know, numbers and results and the response was not good. Luckily, all I needed was, you know, the one and had my daughter. And so I, I chalked that up to a win. Um, but afterwards, we did try for like 11 months because I thought it would be the best chance having endo right after I had her, you know, it had been suppressed during the pregnancy. And so I thought I had a chance. Um, and then nothing happened. And we gave up the endo was bad. I went back on birth control. And then I ended up moving to my favorite place, uh, you know, an, an island here on the Georgia coast. And um, it was a very, I guess like a healing time in my life with a lot of other things and stresses and family dynamics and to be away from all of that and to be in a healing place and focused on myself. I also, when we talked about it, you're like, well, what else changed? You know, I did uh, less intense workouts. I had actually gained some weight. Um, there was things that changed. I would say, but the, the mindset shift and letting go of the desperation, I think, and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't desperate to have a baby anymore. In fact, we decided we were, the one was enough. Like she kept us busy enough and we wanted to do other things in our life and we didn't want any more kids. <laughs> ha ha ha. Don't tell my, don't tell my youngest that I ever said that, <laughs> but we were like, we were good. Uh, and then when I, I went on an IUD and it was awful, awful. And um, I told him, take this thing out. It's the devil. And he said, do you want a prescription for birth control? And I said, infertility is its own birth control. You know, I'm sick of these hormones. I'm sick of like playing, you know, playing around with what's going on in my body. And uh, I went off of it. And what do you know, a month later, you know, it's a surprise of a lifetime. So mm -hmm. I, I do think that there were shifts in there that I didn't credit uh, you know, the pregnancy too, but it's easy to look back in hindsight and say, obviously that AMH test was worthless. It can improve. <laughs> it's not, you know, the sort of death sentence. It's never going to happen for you naturally. That is obviously not true. Um, I think 
healing other areas and other parts of your life and addressing the chronic stress that's happening in your relationships and at work and, you know, doing gentle exercises. And there's so many other things like that we need to treat who you are as a person and probably try those, but just maybe give yourself uh, a measuring stick. Like I'm, I'm going to try this one and see if it, you know, if it helped, how I felt afterwards, if it seemed useful, don't go down the rabbit hole. Like don't go buy every single test. Don't tell yourself that this meet, you know, X equal, you know, X, Y, Z, like black and white. This test means this outcome for me to, for, for it to take away your hope or to change your plans for it to, you know, like let it have control over you uh, would be, I don't, I just think that would be a shame. I think that they might start out with the intention of being really empowering to take back control doing these tests at home. And I think it would be really easy for it to have the opposite effect. Yeah, that was uh, beautifully said, but unfortunately you got out on my, my computer for like 40 seconds through it, but um, hopefully I'll be able to edit it all right. But no, thank you for that. I mean, thanks for We need for to sure. hold up a sign. We need I, a sign that says I can't hear you. I know, I know. Um, it's well, I'll just explain to everyone. I'm in the dark because it, we started this at 4 a.m. in Hawaii, so I think everyone's waking up and starting to use the internet, and it gets a bit funny. But, um, yeah, um, I think you're right. I think it's, um, if you're going to do any test, whether it is at home or with your doctor or acupuncturist or you know, a nutritionist, anyone, it's um, not taking it as the word, as that's goal, that's how my fate, you know, is on a test result. Um, and, you know, either gaining the knowledge, which you can do over the internet, or hire someone if you don't want to waste your time um, to, you know, really work with you and work with you as one with those test results. Yeah, I think that well-meaning doctors will tell you this information, or if you then see it yourself with these at these at home tests and it could if you see for instance your amh is low and that you know that your chances of you ever conceiving are like two percent it gets like locked it almost gets locked in your freaking soul yeah and you can't even see a path forward and people tell me this all the time and for me i had the same thing oh premature ovarian failure i looked online back 18 years ago my daughter is just about to turn 18 18 years ago in some random little forum saying you know, you're going to get osteoporosis, heart disease, you know, it's game over and your ovaries have shut down. And the, the only way is donor eggs. And I'm like, okay, so that gets like stuck in you and you don't even see there's another path forward. And there is, but it's, it's hard. Cause that, that, that to me, if you've got a devastating, you know, a devastating uh, diagnosis to really work on your mindset, get help with that, see a therapist, a coach, like someone to really support you through that because it is no damn joke and and heartbreaking yeah i love your story adrian you kind of um were maybe the wise one out of the group and just took control of your health before you even started yeah. trying to conceive yeah. oh fancy that <laughs> tell us a little bit about well, your journey I had, an, I had an unfair advantage because um i actually was the lack of education about hormones when I was younger actually, I think, probably helped me out in the long run because I was never on birth control pills or anything like that. I just kind of, my period just kind of was really wonky because I was an athlete over exercising and, you know, it just came whenever it wanted to come. And then I discovered in my early 20s when I was in acupuncture school that that was not normal. So then I decided to go to my very first OB appointment and that's when he was, it was a he and I, I probably wouldn't go to a male doctor again. Um, not that I don't think that there are good male doctors out there, but I just felt he didn't understand what I, the questions I was asking and he didn't understand what I was trying to tell him because, you know, I'm in my early twenties, no boyfriend was having a kid wasn't even on my radar because I'm in acupuncture school. It's like a freaking five-year program. I'm like trying to survive in New York City working and going to school and how am I going to pay rent? Like I wasn't thinking about a kid. Um, but yeah, like he just, he diagnosed me with PCOS, we do a period patterns and also cysts on my ovaries. 
and and my main concern was you know what what does this mean for my fertility and he just he said he didn't know like he's like we don't know um so because I was going to acupuncture school obviously you know I was like you know let me just try why don't I just try to do the thing by myself with acupuncture and herbs because I'm in school studying acupuncture and herbs and that's just and I was able to regulate my cycle um and then years later when I met my husband and ready to have a baby it was I mean we I prepared for it you know I give him acupuncture I give myself acupuncture I started prepping for it and then when it came time when we were ready to try it did happen for us um so I didn't have to I, I felt like I put my work up front so that um, when it was time for us to conceive, it wasn't hard. Um, but till this day, I'm still managing my PCOS. Um, I still have to be, you know, now I have all this information. I know how to manage my diet, my lifestyle, um, but it's, it's still, um, I'm still living with PCOS. Yeah, I, I mean, PCOS, endometriosis, um, most autoimmune diseases, you can put them into kind of remission. But for most of us, you're never going to get rid of it. You have to manage it. And I think um, infertility or your fertility is the like shining light on you saying you're not managing your shit correctly. <laughs> like you need to do something else. And, you know, like Sarah has said, it is unfortunate in our society that everyone is like well here's your quick fix for it or you know if you're not like you know think of you um back then if these tests were out there and you didn't know what your fertility was going to be like in eight years ten years when you were ready to conceive would you have gone and frozen your eggs when you didn't need to you know it's just like a a waste right like so it's just a interesting thing the way our society just puts these quick fixes or supposedly quick fixes for me, they were not. And I know for a lot of people out there, they are. Drug companies. <laughs> Sarah just said they're funded by the drug companies. <laughs> um, well, there's which, a reason why Gano F is really expensive and there's always a shortage right. because they can charge for it. You need, you need the drug. Yeah, definitely. And what um, this is gonna be a really bad story, but it's um, just like that EpiPen company that kept um, hiking up the prices more and more and more and just became super unethical about the whole thing. And I'm pretty sure the government like yeah. had to stop them, you know, because they had to, you had to buy, if you didn't use it in the year, you had to buy a new one. So they just yeah. had this endless, you know, um, and yeah, they, they have control over people who actually need it. You know, those EpiPens save lives. They need to be there. Um, so yeah. And, and Same thing with the HIV. Yeah. And both my kids have EpiPens. Mine too. And they're, and I was like, what do you mean this goes bad in a year? What other medications go bad in a year? Like I have lipstick from eight years ago. You're telling me I got to get a new EpiPen in every year. Like this is crazy. It's what, I mean, it's quite the racket, I guess, you know, you gotta, yeah. not only do you need this to save your kid's life, you need to buy a new one every year. Every year. And we wonder why, you know, is there a link with, infertility and then what it's doing to the mother what it's doing to the children like why do both my kids have epipens why do both of your kids you know well yeah i got only the one does but it was interesting because my the ivf baby uh you know my oldest doesn't and then the yeah the surprise baby um is the one is like a much more difficult pregnancy she's got the, uh, all of these uh, food allergies and it really makes you wonder and really makes you think but it's also impossible to know. Yeah. And it's I, all, and I also think that we have to be careful in, I mean, it's empowering to say I have control over my health and it's a fine line to be ashamed of your body or blame yourself for things going wrong. And that's what I, that's the, it's a, it's a tough line, but I, um, I try to be very aware of that with my clients because sometimes it, it goes from, oh, yay, I feel good doing the right things to I did the wrong thing and now I feel ashamed. And what is that doing inside your body too? Yeah, that's yeah. definitely not where, and that, if that's coming up to, to get help processing, because this is more about education and what we don't know. And, you know, you do the best you can at the, at the time that you, you know, where you are. So there's no judgment, but it's kind of like interesting. Why? I wonder if there's a study on people, kids that have food sensitivities. And I think there are studies, I should pull them, that have food sensitivities 
and have gone through IVF, like, you know, epigenetics and Dr. Ben Lynch talking about passing infertility on to the next generation. Like there's, you know, there's. Well, it's funny because from a Chinese medicine perspective, I totally, like that to me is like, makes so much sense because we believe that whatever, again, no shaming, but um, we believe that the mother's energy gets passed on to the child. So whatever you're going through at the time of conception, it determines how much energy your child inherits from you. So, um, you know, there are many factors, but that's, that's why I preach all the time is that, yes, I know you want the quick fixes, but think about all this good work that you're doing now because it's going to impact your child and then it's going to impact your future generation because what your child gets from you is what you have at the moment of conception. Absolutely. Oh, epigenetics. I just love it. But we're not going to go there today. We are ending the conversation there and we will have um, for sure a talk about epigenetics and um, on a different podcast. Um, Thank you ladies so much for joining me. And um, this is amazing. I love this little chat show. (laughs) even at 4am. So until next time, we are, we are going to try to do this next year, twice a month. Um, But this year, it's just once a month. Um, But yeah, please uh, let us know if you have any topics you would like to hear our opinions on. (laughs) Um, And you can do that through all, all of our links to our websites are there. We don't have a designated place as of yet um, as a group to go to. But um, if you have connected with anyone, please find them on their website, send them an email. And thank you for joining us over um, either on the podcast or this is on YouTube as well. And until next time, uh, have a beautiful day, ladies. This episode of The Infertile Diagnosis is brought to you by the Fertility Reconnect course. Brought to you by me, Monica Cox from MyMindfulMe.com. Now this course is the course that I would have died for during my infertility years. If you are dealing with unexplained infertility or if you know you have an autoimmune issue, including thyroid issues, this is the course that's going to get really down to what is going on in your body. We're going to discover together what food you cannot eat and what food you can eat. We're going to work on our mental health and we're going to work together to build new, long-lasting, healthy routines and habits. So head over to the website, mymindfulme.com, pre-register and get on the list to be one of the first in line. There's only 25 seats available on this course. We're gonna have registration on December 1st for two weeks, and then the course actually starts on January 4th. Head over to mymindfulme.com and check out the Fertility Reconnect course.